you hear that? And uh, welcome everyone to Haunting Live Podcast this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and being here with us uh, today on Haunting Live. We have reached episode number 20 this week of season two already. Things are just flying by and we always appreciate your support here on the show. Um, this week we do have a special guest with us today, uh, Sheila Treycarton. She is going to be talking to us about a bunch of different things that she's involved in. Everything from something unique that we haven't had here on the podcast before, which is animal communication and how that relates to the paranormal field. But also she's intuitive and also a medium too. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff with her uh, here today on the podcast. So let's bring in Sheila today. Hi, Sheila. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk to us today here on Haunting Life Podcast. Truly my pleasure. Great. Well, I know through researching you, what you deal with um, in the spiritual community, um, you have a few interesting things that you talk about, uh, about what you do for your background. Um, one thing that we have not talked about here before on the podcast, and I think a lot of people will find interesting and a link they can use within the paranormal field is animal communication. Um, how did you get into the animal communication field and what drew you into that area? Yes, out of all the things that I do, my animal communication work is my favorite. It's my heart base. And I was able to do this as a child. So communicating with animals was a natural ability I had. It wasn't something that I was taught. But I do believe that everybody has the ability to do it. I even teach it. So I prove that along the way. And it's a beautiful skill for all of us to have. But how I started was as a small child, I would go out into the woods around our home because we lived in a rural space. I actually lived in a log house and um, it was a dream of my dad's to live in a rural area in a log home. And so it wasn't my dream as a child, but <laughs> it ended up serving me well. And I would go out and I would just communicate with all the animals that were close, like frogs and birds and snakes. And it came very apparent to me at a very young age and very quickly that my parents didn't understand the concept of me saying I could speak to the animals. I was a very shy and introverted child and I felt very insecure. So when I would talk to my parents and or I'd bring home an animal and my mom would, I remember bringing home a snake and knocking on the door and surprising her with it. Well, she didn't think that was great. <laughs> she came, she came after me and the snake with the shovel, but <laughs> I was just telling her the snake just wants to be our friend and can he come in? And so my mom was like, are you kidding? That's crazy. And quickly, I realized that this wasn't something that they were exposed to or that they believed to be true. So I suppressed it. And along the way, people would say how animals could easily come up to me and they seemed they were, like they were attracted to me. And I would just slough it off and I would pretend that nothing was happening. Then about the age of, uh, well, I guess, um, yes, around the age of 18, I decided to study more consciously in the holistic field and the spiritual field. And I started to study like chakras and mediumship and meditation and all those basic things. But I stayed away from the animal communication because it wasn't a good experience for me when I was a child. And I didn't want people to think that I was odd or weird. We're talking over 20 years ago now. So it wasn't a mainstream thing back in that day. So I got into the spiritual stuff. I took business in school. I specialized in small business management and entrepreneurship. And then I opened my own business, which was a crystal store. And then I ended up on another pathway. My son became ill and I closed that store. And here I am later uh, in my twenties, speaking on the phone to a friend of mine who lived about an hour away. And he started his dog started talking to me and we had this big conversation and I wasn't telling my friend that this was happening, but I was asking him the questions that the dog was asking me. And it was like, why did you move my bed upstairs? And why did you move the couch in front of the window? And he, at one point said, do you have a camera in my house? Like, how do you know these things? 
And uh, I just kind of chuckled uncomfortably. And eventually I told him and I thought he would think that I was quite odd or weird. But his response was, oh, my gosh, that's so exciting. Which one? Because he had two dogs at the time. And then beyond that, we talked for about an hour with his dogs. And he said, you have to do this for other people. And I told him, I, I can't. People will think I'm weird. And he insisted that this was such a great thing. It was about two weeks later that he phoned me and said he wanted to pick me up and take me somewhere special. And here he had lined up animal readings for me to do at local farms because he had a lot of connections with horses and um, cows and that sort of thing. So that day he brought me out and I ended up communicating with some animals I had not even been exposed to, some chickens and some cows and some donkeys and horses. And it was quite an amazing experience. And I thought, thanked him for that, but then I still wanted to suppress it and he wouldn't have any of it. So he started booking appointments for me (laughs) and he started uh, telling people that uh, I charged for this service. He started collecting money. He started telling me, you have these bookings already, you have to go. And uh, it, it really was quite the evolution. And now it's the main part of my business and I love it so much. But there's been a real big process over the years and, and, and getting me to a comfortable space in doing this. I guess it was more my insecurity and my lack of self-worth at the time, thinking that I didn't want to be judged or be segmented from society. I, I wanted to be normal so badly, and I definitely was not the norm of that time. <laughs> now I embrace that. I, I love not being normal. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to be unique. It sure is. And that's definitely a unique gift to have is to be able to communicate with animals like that. Um, So once you started getting into more in depth of this, knowing that you had this ability, um, did you find it more easier as time went on? You said you kind of pushed it away for a while. So explain how you got more involved into it. Absolutely. That's such a great question because like everything else in life, practice is generally the key for most things and animal communication is no different. The more you do it, the easier it is. You're really, the main obstacle that you come across is really yourself and blocking yourself from believing that you can do this or that it is real. So when I teach other people, I find it's not the ability to communicate that becomes the stumbling block that comes quite naturally for people but it is their own perception of not wanting to make a mistake, not wanting to be wrong and being as well, still um, insecure about their abilities in themselves and whether they can trust it. And the way that we trust it is confirmation from others. So I always encourage people to communicate with animals of people that they don't know. And then the owner's feedback or the caregiver's feedback is usually what brings us to a space of confidence. And I, w- I can show you in, in a way of time frame of how it evolved for me over time is initially when I was doing my readings, I was stumbling a little bit to understand the images that come through because animal communication is really comes through in different formats for different people. For me, it was always imagery first, followed by feeling. And then sometimes I hear words in my head. So it has evolved over time that it becomes much like a conversation that you and I are having with the animal, but I still see visual clues and I still get feelings along with that. And back when I I would say probably after I got a little bit more established, I would do what I do now in about 20 minutes. It would take me an hour back then. So I've sped up my ability and I've increased the accuracy and my abilities now are about 20 minutes now is about an hour from back then. So you can see that gives you an indication of how that's increased over time and the uh, abilities have, I guess, developed in, in, in such it has been a long time, but they developed naturally over time. So, Have they grown stronger for you as well? So you mentioned that they first of all started off kind of as imagery and then you can now communicate directly. Um, how, what was that like? Has, has it gone stronger or has it gone, um, which direction did it go for you? Yes, it has gotten a lot stronger because I now trust it more. 
So it flows more because when we trust and we believe, then of course, as I'm sure everyone is aware, the energy flows much more freely. And then I'm not blocking the communication. So the accuracy has increased incredibly. And sometimes I find myself feeling so strongly about what the animal is saying that sometimes I will push the point with the caregiver because I know this animal is, is not, is the animal's not lying and I'm not misreading this information. Like this, this is actually a message that has value and meaning. So sometimes that's a interesting way to look at it when you see the accuracy. Like I, I think the accuracy comes with the depth of the trust and the belief that I'm communicating so deeply with the animal. Okay, so my next kind of thought on this is through the process of communicating with an animal, how you develop it from symbols into communication. How does that communication sound like when it comes through to you? Like what do you actually hear from the animal? Yeah, it's uh, when I actually receive the information, sometimes it is really like listening or taking a, a dialogue. So anyone who does mediumship can relate to this because oftentimes the mediumship comes through like someone is speaking in your mind and it's the same thing. To me, it's like somebody giving me information and I'm taking just that dictation and translating it. So it's like translating from one language to another because it's a similar idea. If you're translating from French to English or English to French or from sign language to voiced language, then you're still doing the same thing because the animal communication is just a form of telepathy. It's mind reading and it will come in whatever format you are ability, you have the ability to receive. So the animal is also tuning into your being and it will go to places and connect with you in ways that you can associate with. So sometimes I get things that are familiar for me. So like if it's a, they want to talk about somebody's birthday, I'll get an image of a birthday cake and sometimes I'll get an image of balloons. So I know it's celebration. So that comes through as well. And every animal has their own unique personality and their way or their ability to communicate themselves. It's a two-way street. So if they're a good communicator, I usually hear full-on dialogue of words, sentences in my head. If they struggle to communicate or if our connection isn't strong, sometimes it becomes more like charades with pictures and images and feelings and I have to piece it together. Yeah, mediumship can work that same way, I guess, because depending on what level you're at a mediumship, um, spirit communication comes in that form as well. You can either talk to them directly or they'll show you mental images in your mind. I know I've had many times in the past when we've been on investigations and you're communicating with energy, it's like they'll just show you images in the mind. So is it sort of the same thing? It's exactly the same. And I will go as far as to say that if you can do mediumship, you can do animal communication because really all it is, is tuning into a different frequency. So it's like, if you can get one radio station, you can get a multitude of radio stations. So maybe you're on AM, but if you switch to FM, you'll be able to receive this signal as well. It's just a little bit different vibration. And then you have animals who have crossed over. So now you're doing mediumship that way as well. So it's, it's interesting. I don't think that a lot of people recognize that who are intuitive, but if they open themselves up, to the abilities to look at it, they will find that they are able to do it. Interestingly enough, if you try it, the feeling is like you're making this up in your head. Like the thoughts are popping in, but you haven't thought about them. So that's why people tend to stumble when they're trying to do animal communication is they don't trust those thoughts that come in. They come in so easily or the image comes in so easily, they think they've made it up. Yeah, how do you distinguish between the two? How do you distinguish between your own thought and somebody communicating with, well, really to either spirit or animal communication? I'm sure as a medium, you have the same issues too, right? Absolutely, Trevor. I mean, that's that comes with years of practice and being able to understand who I am and my own way of thinking and how it feels when I'm pulling something in. I personally have this sensation when I am doing mediumship, 
when I'm talking to spirit and I'm channeling direct, I'm channeling guides or angels, then that information tends to come in through my left side. So I feel it coming into my head in the left side. When I'm communicating with someone who's crossed over, someone's loved one or a pet that's crossed over, it comes in through my right side. When I'm doing animal communication, it kind of comes into the center of my head. So um, interesting how you can kind of pinpoint it by how you're experiencing it through your own mind. And I guess that just takes practice too. Like uh, the more you practice it, the more you'll sense where that energy is coming to you from. Sort of the same way with any kind of mediumship. Like the more you practice it, the more you'll sense, okay, well, I know this is spirit communicating. Absolutely. Then it doesn't become second guessing after a while. It's just like second nature. I always use the analogy. It's like riding a bike. You know, when we first get on the bike, you're like trying to steer, hold your balance. You're like, oh, how am I going to stop? And, and you're trying to watch ahead, you're watching at your own feet, or even driving a car, same thing. You know, you're hypersensitive and you're hyper aware. But after a while, you get on that bike or you get in the car and you just go and you don't even have to think about it anymore. And it's exactly what happens with the any kind of psychic ability, I believe. It just becomes second nature. Yeah, for sure. Um, here's a sort of fun question I just um, wanted to ask you. What was your most interesting type of creature that you have had communication with? Um, well, I have a special love for big cats. So I've communicated with some wild cats before, more like sanctuary cats. Um, I had the deep privilege to go to South Africa. I've been there several times. And so I have been to a couple sanctuaries there uh, with the large cats. And I had a really great experience with one who was just like so bored and was telling me how lazy he felt and how he was just kind of, uh, he was just lounging about and he said he wished that life was more interesting. And as we were communicating a domestic cat, like a little kitten cat um, came across the path and he changed his demeanor entirely and went right into almost attack mode. And he had a handler with him. And I was telling her, oh, he's reacting. There's a cat. There's a cat. Because he was showing me the cat, the kitty cat. And she's like, I don't see a cat. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what he's doing. We have to step away. I'm like, no, he's reacting to the cat. And so it took a few minutes. But finally, we saw the cat come across our path. And there was a barrier because we were inside. And there was a glass barrier between us and the outside where the little kitten was or I'll call it a kitten for lack of a better word. So you understand what I mean. <laughs> and that was quite interesting. And then I had another time where I was at an elephant sanctuary there and this sanctuary, they rescue animals or elephants that are uh, hurt or they're elderly and they keep them and they use the public to be able to educate them on how to, um, protect the animals. So we were allowed to go in special circumstance. And I was actually giving energy healing to one of the elephants because it asked for it. And we were communicating. And even the handler, then he said to me, you're doing something different than most people. You, you can, you can talk to this elephant, can't you? Cause he could see the way she was responding. And she ended up uh, folding herself almost right into me to the point where he said, you have to stop. You're putting her to sleep. She's going to fall on top of you. <laughs> and my friend that was there took a photograph. She took several photographs and there were these beautiful orbs in the picture when we were working together. So it was, I think that was um, a very rewarding experience and, and different than most people. It was very fascinating. For sure. Most people don't have that amazing opportunity like that to go into sanctuaries and um, if they have a gift like that to actually communicate with animal spirit. Um, mm. Let's jump on to that topic next then. Um, do you also communicate on the level of animal spirits when spirits, uh, sorry, when animals pass away, um, do you communicate with their spirit as well? It is one of the biggest requests that I get to communicate with an animal who is crossed over. Now, when we think about the grief that we hold when our beloved fur baby crosses, it can be devastating because to me, it's like losing a child. And I think a lot of people have that experience. So I'm very honored to be able to give that connection to their animal who has passed over and is in spirit. 
And I usually ask that the animal, animal be crossed for about a week before I connect with them so that they have time to adjust because we're, they're going from one energy level to another. And that takes time. It's like moving into a new home and they have to get situated and unpack and understand the way to be able to communicate easier. When they have crossed for about a week, the communication is usually nice and clear and I can bring through the information, no problem. And these animals, they talk about themselves, their personality, and also private things with their caregivers that I would never know. So it's not just fluffy stuff. I mean, they're direct information to help the caregiver understand that that pet who has crossed over is actually there with them. And they'll even talk about things that have happened since they've crossed over, or they'll talk about things that have been done with their body or, or how they've been celebrated, their, their life has been celebrated. And then this gives so much comfort to that person who is grieving the loss of their pet. So the, there's not a lot of difference in the way that uh, animal communicates, whether they're living or their past, because it's still telepathy, it's still mind reading. But there is like a slightly different frequency. So you're jumping onto a little bit of a different bandwidth. And it comes through just a little different. So when I teach animal communication, I teach to communicate with a living animal first. And then in the second level, part of that second level is communicating with an animal's crossed over because it's like a step in a little slightly different direction. Again, it's just different energy that we're tuning into. And uh, along the same lines, then, um, what are some of the thoughts and feelings that animals project after they pass? Like, what are the most common things they communicate to you with? Uh, yes, uh, let me see. One of the things that I'd like to say, even with animal communication itself, is that an because animals communicate through telepathy, so that's mind reading, I use the example of the fact that it, they're like little USB sticks and they s just download onto their USB stick all the information that's in your mind. So anything that you've thought of or that you have held in your mind or anything that anybody has in their mind, they can now relate to, they now have downloaded into their system. So they talk about people, places, and things that they haven't seen themselves, but they've seen through other people's minds. They can talk about relationships, financial advice, medical information. They talk about career. I mean, they're not just subjective to their own limited world of their environment, like if they like their food, or if they're comfortable in their space, or what they love to do, or their favorite toy. They're far more perceptive than we give them credit for. And a lot of animals are actually what I will call psychic. They have a lot of intuitive abilities. Some animals will know what's coming in the future, or they'll give insight as to what is happening in someone's life. And so when they've crossed over, I, the kind of, I kind of derailed a little bit on you there, but when they, <laughs> it just felt that that was important to say first. So that's an, a living animal. Then an animal who's crossed over, they talk about uh, how they felt in their life. They talk about what they need for their owner, what they're usually really concerned about the well-being of, of their caregiver or their owner. And they want to make sure that that caregiver knows that they are okay so that they don't have to grieve so heavily so that they don't feel so sad because everything that we experience gets projected to them. And I even had one time where I had this lady who, and this happens quite a bit because we love our animals so greatly. And I had a lady who just, she could not move beyond the passing of her dog. And she even, uh, she just, she just couldn't function. And, and her family contacted me and said, can you communicate with her dog that has passed so that she can have some closure? So when the animal was communicating, the dog had talked to her about her favorite flower, about things that she had done in honor of him. 
and about some very personal and private things that they had talked about together. She had a conversation with him and he reiterated the conversation, not exactly verbatim, but enough that she understood that, oh my gosh, this is my, the spirit of my dog because no one else would know that. And he even talked about a picture that was out of him and what the picture looked like and what type of frame it was in and where it was positioned. So it was quite detailed and it was something that helped move her from her heavily grief state. I mean, at that time she was so grief stricken that she was not living. She basically wasn't bathing. She was hardly sleeping. She didn't want to talk to anybody and it moved her to a space of more acceptance and it was really rewarding for me because I saw her evolve out of that grief state into excited. And then we ended up finding a way for them to be able to link and communicate together. So she, um, it just altered her entire world after that. So they will talk about just everything you can imagine. <laughs> if anything that you would talk about, they would talk about. So they can talk about, um, quantum physics. They can talk about how energy works. They talk about who's with them in spirit. It's definitely a question that I get a lot and one that the animals volunteer very easily. But No, that's very insightful. And thank you for sharing that for our listeners. I'm sure that's one main question that everybody would have for you is like, what do they do? Like, what do they talk about? Um, but also on the same level, when you talk to animals that are living still, um, what do they talk about to each other? Do they ever tell you what they have conversations with? Like the, if a household has, say, more than one pet or another pet comes in contact with a different animal, like what do they talk about? Yeah, their conversations are happening all the time. And one thing that we probably don't consciously recognize is that when our brain is going, if we're a really heavy thinker and, and you know, that hamster is going like crazy in our mind, then they have to, we all have to realize that the animals pick that up nonstop. It's like you talking out loud to them. So they will pick that up as a continuous thought process or a continuous conversation. And they are doing that with other animals. They're doing it with all the people that are around them. So we wonder why they need to nap a lot and sleep, but they're exhausted, right? Um, they're taking in all that information and they can't help it. It's just there. People go, well, just tell them not to take that on or not to listen to me, but they can't help it. It's like me trying to ignore you when you're talking out loud. So sometimes they'll, they don't usually have a great deal of conversation with me about what other animals are saying, but they will have a lot of concern about the other animals. So if I'm channeling them, then they'll just tell me what their housemate needs or wants or how they feel or their concerns about them, or they'll talk to me about their personality. I get that a lot. And I've, I had the other day where a dog was saying how buggy their, their partner was, they love them, but they bug all the time. Cause this, this dog was very chill and their, the other dog in the house was very hyperactive. So they were telling me about the difference between their personalities and how that was affecting them. They come a lot from the first person, but they also have such caring, compassionate, um, heartfelt energy within them that they are always talking about the others that are around them. Well, that's good that they're aware of the other energies so they can talk about the other animals as well. That's something I had always wondered, like, do they talk to each other or do they just sort of talk amongst themselves or what? So um, thank you for the insight on that. But um, let's skip topics now a little bit today with you directly and um, talk about some other areas that you're involved with. I know you're also intuitive as well as a medium. So how did you sort of develop into the mediumship aspect of your field compared to being an animal communicator? Mm, yes. Well, I'm very blessed to have most of the abilities that I have be natural. So at the same time, I was able to communicate with animals when I was a child. I was able to see spirits. Not such a great thing back then when I was a child and I was terrified. I mean, it was just unbelievably paralyzed me with fear many, many 
times, especially at nighttime when I was going to bed. And I literally had a hundred stuffed animals that I would put on top of my bed to protect me and try to keep the spirits at bay. So it's something that I could do again as a child, but I was always trying to block that. It was about when I was about 12 or 14, I began to feel too overwhelmed with all of the being inundated with all of the information that was coming in, both from animals, through mediumship, through people, people's minds. Oh my gosh, I could, I could pick up people's feelings so easily. And I didn't always translate them correctly. Like if someone was angry or upset, I would take that personally. And I thought it was about me. I didn't understand that it was some, about something else because I was picking up the energy. I thought, well, it's clearly projected at me. That's why I'm receiving it. So that was really difficult. And about the age of uh, somewhere around 12 or 14, I literally shut it all down. I figured out how to suppress it in a way that I just turned it right off. And when anything tried to come through, I would just close the door. So it was about the age of 17 where I um, had a very important person in my life. We had, it was uh, my partner at the time and we had been plans to get married. Um, We had plans to move to another city. Our lives were all planned out. And unfortunately, he was killed in a motorcycle accident quite unexpectedly uh, to, I guess, no, unexpectedly and not expect, not unexpectedly, because um, I had impressions or understanding that this was going to happen. I knew he was leaving. I didn't understand how. But exactly a week before he passed, we in at the same time of night, we were sitting on the couch at my sister's house. It was raining and I was talking to him and I started to cry. And I said, you know what? I know you're going somewhere. We're going to be separated. I don't understand how this is happening, but I know it's coming soon. And I don't think I'll be with you anymore. And I used to get these visions of this probably about six months before he passed where we were being separated and it was debilitating fear. I would be paralyzed. I couldn't even move any part of my body because I was in so much fear of what was to come. So when we were sitting there about a week before he passed, I had this candid conversation with him and finally, because all the time I had these other episodes where I was paralyzed, he kept denying it. Oh, don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. This is, It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I'm going to be fine. And this particular evening, he didn't deny it. He looked me right in the eyes and he started to cry. And he said, you know what? I feel it. You're right. I know. I think something's happening, but I don't get it either. And then a week later, he was killed in this motorcycle accident. And then after that, I basically shut down. Like I stopped living for about six months and just went through the motions. Um, And I'm not proud of it, but I also became an alcoholic at that time. And that helped disassociate me from everything that was happening. And I felt like my gift in all the things that had happened, and I have many other stories other than this one, But at this time, especially, I felt that this gift was a curse and it was horrible and I didn't want it. And I was so mad at it. So I numbed myself and it took me a good six months. I one day just said, "Okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Either I destroy myself or I live. I have two choices. And if I'm going to live, I have to embrace this. I have to figure it out. At that time, I was about 18. And so I, that's when I started to study all the things I could possibly get my hands on connected to the holistic field and psychic abilities. And I was living in rural Ontario. So you can imagine we're talking again, more than 20 years ago. Okay. So that's more than 30 years ago now. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I don't like to remember how old I am, Uh, (laughs) but that there wasn't anybody to help me. I mean, we just started having computers, just started having like internet abilities. We were dealing with encyclopedias and books. That's where we could get our information from. There was clearly not people in my area that were into psychic information. There was one psychic in the whole town. I went to her and she changed my life. She she was the one who said, you need to discover this more. And she pointed me in a direction and I moved south down into the area closer to Toronto. 
And then I realized, oh my gosh, look at all these people who have this information and who are open and comfortable with this. And I started meeting those people and learning from them. And that really spiked my interest even more. And I continued to learn. And then of course, over time, gathered more comfortableness and information and then reawakened the abilities. But at this time, I decided I'm not going to have it rule me. I'm not going to be a victim to this ability or this energy. I'm going to do it in a way that I'm comfortable with and that I feel like I can have at least some sense of control for lack of a better word. So I reawakened the abilities, but this time learned how to turn it on and turn it off. So when I walk about, I actually turn what I call a dial and I turn that dial down and I can function in everyday life. And I'm not usually overwhelmed unless the energies are quite intense, then they bombard me. But I turn it back up when I'm working or when I want to tune into something. And that's how I've learned to manage it and to keep myself in a space where I can function and, and be in a healthy state. Otherwise, I find it's overwhelming and it can be all-consuming as well. I'm sure many people are having those difficulties with their own abilities. Yeah, no, in fact, that's one thing I do tend to ask our guests, especially these days on the show here, is um, how do you... Or what would you recommend to people that are experiencing um, things like intuition that they haven't experienced before? A lot of people are now more closed in. They're more indoors all the time. They may be sensing things or experiencing things that they have not connected with before in their past. Um, so what advice or guidance would you give to somebody that's maybe having these intuitive thoughts? Yes, that's such a good question, Trevor. I think that the first thing I would tell people is to make sure that they bring themselves to an understanding of what they're dealing with. So education is definitely the key that's going to help them feel more comfortable and more safe. The thing that I felt when I was a child is I didn't feel safe and I feel totally safe now. I don't have any issues with uh, negative or shadow spirits. I totally understand them. I feel great in any space I can adapt. And I don't allow those energies to overwhelm me. Being grounded often is very helpful and understanding that you have control because it is your energy. And anything that comes through, you do have a say as to what's happening. It's one thing I always tell people with shadow spirits is that they need to understand that they have the control of their own energy and the shadow cannot affect anyone without permission. So you have to have belief in your own strength and your own control of your energy. The one thing that I tell people when they're starting to learn about spirituality or psychic abilities, their own intuition is first understand yourself first feel safe with yourself and then feel safe in general, learn about protection, learn about grounding, learn about how to master your energy, and then move uh, into the other areas. If it's awakening on its own, and that intuition is happening, like it did with me when I was younger, and it was debilitating, then I would say, seek out help and seek someone who has already went through something like that, or at least has knowledge to be able to guide you and assist you. So you don't feel alone. And you, they can help you to feel empowered in that journey. It's not a thing that we should be afraid of. And it's not a thing we should be ashamed of. We should be proud of it. We should walk with it and learn how to work with it. And it's a part of us. We want to meld that into our life in an acceptable manner for us. And that can be different for every person. So I think it's important for us to understand ourselves and what we're accepting of and what we're comfortable with and how safe we feel. And then we progress and we move from there. Yeah, no doubt. Everybody does things their own way, especially in the paranormal and mediumship fields. And that's what Haunting Live Podcast is about, is about talking about people's experiences as they develop their journeys. So um, thank you for sharing that. Do you have any experiences that you would like to share about your mediumship? Like what was one big instant that you're like, oh, wow, that's something weird that happened to me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I really just want to say, too, that it's great to have your podcast. And it is another vehicle for people to be able to educate themselves. And listening to other people is such a great way to learn and gather information. I mean, I did that all my life trying to figure out, looking at the buffet of information that's out there and trying to figure out what matches me and my frequency. 
Um, so to answer your question, um, mediumship that occurred, that was pretty amazing. Um, oh, I have a great story for you. Um, this just, um, so I get so excited thinking about this one. It's a very positive experience for me, but I was in Mexico and we were at this restaurant and it was called the cave and it's called the cave because it's underground and it's actually in a, a, a crystal cave. So you go and you, you sit and you have dinner. We were there right in the first sitting. So the staff was just mulling about, there was nobody else there, but us. And this new staff member came over, he was serving us and he started telling us that he was new and how he loved working there so far. And uh, for some interesting reason, <laughs> we'll just say divinely guided, he decided he wanted to take me on a tour because I was in awe of the place. And I was asking him some really poignant questions and he goes, well, hey, come with me, I'll show you around. He didn't show me around. He brought me to the back area of this restaurant that was not renovated yet. We had to go through this little area underneath, like bending down and crawling through this area. But I believe me, I have no idea. Well, I wasn't thinking in the moment. I wasn't fearful or anything. I just followed this guy blindly. <laughs> we go into this back cave, which is dark. There's no light. He turns on the flashlight and he's showing me around. And he shows me this, um, there was this wooden table with this game that they had that the staff played. And then he's like, oh, and back here, there's another area that's really cool. And he takes me to this back place. Again, it's all dusty. There's wires across the floor. There's no lighting. We're just, I'm using the flashlight on my phone. He's got a flashlight. We go to the back corner of this cave and I can feel this energy. And I'm like, wow, this energy is remarkable. I can feel my heart change, the heartbeat change. And I am like in awe of the feeling of this space. And I said to him, I said, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Can I take some pictures? And he was like, uh, okay. Like, I don't understand why it's like a, just an unconstructed cave. And I said, it just feels like I just need to take a picture. So I go to try to take a picture and the camera won't work. And I said to the guy, I'm like, oh, my, my camera won't work. And he goes, oh, really? Why? And he comes over to try and help me. And as I'm trying to take the picture, it goes to video and then the video comes on and, the, and it starts to film and you can see all these orbs and spirits coming at us. Oh my gosh, he started, he screamed and he left and he left me in there by myself. <laughs> so I'm still sitting there in awe. I take some more pictures and I talk to the spirits that are in there and they tell me that they're mainly ancestors from that space and they lived in that area and that this was like a magical place that they all were attracted to because it was private and sort of undeveloped and that this is a space like a sacred area. So I'm talking away to them, which was quite amazing. And uh, I end up going back out into the restaurant. I grabbed my boyfriend at the time and I, and I said, come back to this space with me. And we went back to that same space and I said, I want to have some pictures with these energies. They're so beautiful. And I put my arms straight out beside me. And he said, it, it won't work. The camera won't work. And then all of a sudden he took a couple pictures and he says, there's nothing here. It's just blank. There's no energies, not like what you showed me in the other pictures that you took. So I've tuned in and I asked the spirits, I'm like, is it, okay to have a picture with you. Will you take a picture with me? And they said, yes, but put your arms down. That's so rude. <laughs> and so I lowered my arms into a um, position that have them just beside me with my hands up. And I just held gratitude. And then my boyfriend started to freak out because he's like, oh my gosh, what are these things? They're coming in like crazy. And you could just, you could see the forms in, in the pictures and in the video, it's just remarkable. So I think that's the most incredible mediumship I've had that was outside the norm of you channeling someone's loved one or channeling a spirit that is in a home or channeling a stuck spirit for, for another example, because I've had that happen. I've had many times where I've channeled people in buildings, spirits, entities in buildings and, um, 
they're all quite fascinating and unique in their own right. But that particular occurrence in the cave in Mexico was just one of the most beautiful, profound things that I've ever had the opportunity to enjoy for sure. Sounds amazing. I wonder if the uh, waiter knew about the energies or if he was influenced somehow to bring you back there. I think that somebody was working through him because we did not see him again. He sent somebody else to our table to help us. And then at the end of the night, he was afraid to come near me. And I had to go over to him and we had a little conversation. And then in the end, he felt okay. But he was really nervous after that. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine some people aren't in tune or accepting of it as like mediums are. So really interesting. And I think I do know which cave you're talking about. I think I've seen it before and stuff on me oh, different good. media and stuff. So um, I think I'm aware of which one it is. But yeah, sounds interesting. Uh, interesting place to go to for sure. It'd be cool to investigate sometime, something like that. Oh, yes. I'll but, send uh, you the information. You can check it out. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So um, before we let you go here today, Sheila, um, is there anything that you've been working on lately or anything? How has your um, mediumship and uh, clients been during COVID? Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, luckily I can do everything virtually. So my, I haven't had a problem shifting my business. I have been communicating with people globally for many, many years. So I've, I have talked on the phone or through email, or now we have lovely Zoom, which makes all the difference in the world for us. It's a great way to communicate. And my business has actually increased even more. Like typically I book about five to six months out and now I'm booking about nine months out. So it really has blossomed and increased, but I'm finding that because I have so many people who want information, like I do a life path reading, which is a channeling of the guides and angels to help people understand where they are at in their life and the energies that are around them, the life lessons that they're experiencing. And then I do a lot of teaching and I recognized that I can't get to everyone who needs the help by doing one-on-one. -on -one. So I've developed online courses and also I've developed a membership for spirituality. And the membership is called Sagacity. You pay monthly for it and you get a guided meditation, a private personalized uh, personal podcast. So it's like a monologue where I'm teaching people about spirituality and psychic abilities. So we've talked about a lot about mediumship, animal communication, what it means to be psychic, why we live our lives, that sort of thing. And then we do question and answer segments. And then I give them a special gift, which is usually a tool about how they can master their own intuitive abilities and their own energy. That's my big thing. I've been doing that since September of last year. And I'm really trying to get more exposure with that because the more people who learn how to connect with themselves and the more people who understand what it means to live a spiritual life or understand our psychic abilities, the, the more comfortable people will feel. And I'm having a hard time doing that one-on-one -on -one in the amount of demand that's out there. So I'm hoping that the membership will be able to reach more people. Uh, it hopefully should and that's a wonderful way to do it like nowadays most people are jumping onto zoom like you said so i'm sure that's helping you out quite a bit so um us here as well at haunting live it became a podcast through the pandemic and it's grown into a weekly podcast and we're fully booked like yourself well into like uh september almost now so we have many more guests coming up here on the show so um thank you so much though sheila for taking time out to be here today it was amazing to hear your stories and how you connect with animal energy as well as a medium and do spiritual communication so thank you so much for taking your time today Thank you for your interest, Trevor. I really appreciate it. I love what you're doing and I wish you all the best. I'm sure that it's going to help many people what you're doing. Yeah, the information that comes from our guest is amazing and just to hear their experiences and how they um, carry through their journey, like everybody's different. So that's a great way to showcase how people continue their journey through mediumship. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Just before we do go, is there a website or something that you'd like to promote so people know where you are? Absolutely. My website is Ultimate Healing Concepts, or they can also reach it by my name, SheilaTracarton.com. So both of those are .com. Uh, also, PetPsychic.ca, if that's easier to remember, it all goes to the same link. Yeah, if, if you just Google one of those, they'll come up easily. Okay, wonderful. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. It was amazing and insightful listening to your stories. 
I'm sure people will find you amazing on here on Haunting Live. So thank you so much. Thanks, Trevor. Appreciate yeah. it. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. Sally Diane here with Haunting Live Podcast. And they're going to down into the basement of the Queens. We've been granted access to the basement. This location did have a great fire. And that was Sheila, and she does animal communication as well as intuition as well as mediumship. And she has some amazing insight and an amazing stories on how she does her animal communication. I hope you guys found her fascinating. And uh, she was a wonderful guest to hear, have here on Haunting Live podcast this week. And uh, we have reached episode number 20 already on season two. So thank you guys so much for following us on social media. Always appreciate you guys taking time out to listen to the podcast and check it out each and every week right here on Facebook. Or you can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it on the podcast apps when you have time later on. So uh, across all media, you can find us. And don't forget to share our work. Uh, anybody that shares our work is greatly appreciated. It helps support us even more. Um, liking is fine, but sharing is great. So uh, share the work and let other people know where we are. Uh, look forward to seeing you back here next week. But just before we do let you guys go, uh, a couple of announcements to talk about. First, as always, Ghosts of the Queens 2021 tickets are available right now at uh, our on our website. So go to hauntedlifepodcast.com under events. You can check out our Ghosts of the Queens event. Uh, it's a two-day event. That cost is $140 for the whole weekend, and you do get the Friday and Saturday out of that. Um, so go check out our website for details, and all that information is there for you to check out. As well, right now on our merch page on our website, we do still currently have our half-off sale running. So if you guys need anything in the paranormal field for smudging materials, crystals, or handmade items, we have everything through our website. Go check it out under our merch tab on our website, which is hauntedlightpodcast.com slash merch. Otherwise, uh, don't forget to check out Chris. Chris does his angel readings uh, two days a week now. He does them Wednesdays at 8.30. And this Wednesday, we're going to do a special little preview before the reading segment. We're going to go over the items that we have on our website that are currently on sale for you guys to check out to learn some more information about our new product. So look forward to that with you guys. And then, of course, Saturdays at 3 o'clock on YouTube. So that's Wednesdays at 8.30 and Saturdays at 3 o'clock. But other than that, guys, um, thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate your support each and every week here at Haunting Light Podcast. And like I said, don't forget to share our work. We appreciate your support. And we look forward to seeing you guys right here next week for our next guest. Uh, take care, guys, and stay safe. Did you hear that?